welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. We didn't pray Father yet. Nathan's about to pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask your continued blessing and protection for us who seek to know and do your holy will. We pray for all the people throughout the world who at this moment are in need. In whatever way, Lord, we ask that you would give them uh, what uh, what is your will, uh, what you desire for them. Uh, we ask that you would bless and protect all those who are in the uh, harm's way, um, not just with the coronavirus, but in any way, Lord, we ask that you would keep us safe, healthy, at peace, um, and help us always uh, to, to trust you, for you are good and you love mankind. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We're getting a little stir-crazy here. This is Catholic stuff you should know. Hey, hey. We have a trifecta, a triumvirate going on right now. We got Father Mike. Here Father, I am. Father John. And myself. And it, we are not doing a quiz show today. So normally wait, when wait, we wait. do it when Who there's three... That? Who knows we're not doing a quiz show? Well... Maybe. You never know when a quiz show is going to break out. That's right. But we did want to... <laughs> favorite pandemic topics. Well, yeah. I could do... I don't know. I could do trivia. We've been, we've been summoned to give some thoughts on our current situation. And uh, so this is sort of a free-form uh, recording. We, we don't necessarily have an end goal in place, but I think it's important to like talk about what our different uh, responsibilities are, what our lives look like, and then perhaps give uh, some commentary for everyone else. Is that fine? Yeah, everybody's home right now. You know, kids, I knew it. Kids are home from school. I knew that he was going to make me run point on this. Father John, well, John, Father John Father sat John's me. Laughing. Father John sat me in the pole position, like with an individual mic, which means that I'm not sharing with anybody because we only have two microphones. So these Hanyaks come into my house, right? And what do they do? They sit on my couch and they watch me set up our podcast gear. Then they demand coffees, waters, and Advil laxatives, whatever Global wants. Sure, yeah, go ahead. And then they start getting awkward because I'm sitting in the same room. And it just so happens we have two microphones, and I'm being a good guest by surrendering my desire Father, to lead this podcast. Let's just let's just broach it a little by bit uh, offering it to you. Father John also texted us and said, "I would like to podcast on the pandemic crisis, and uh, when are you guys available?" So normally, if somebody says I have a topic, they run point. But whenever I got sat down with the solitary microphone, that meant that I had to facilitate the discussion. So I will do Fair so. Fair enough. Well, I came, I came into the house. That's Tom Brokaw for the rest of the podcast. Oh. I'm just kidding. I came ready to, ready to record, and um, there was the like after lunch announcements going on. So I just ran over here and started uh, praying my my daytime prayer. Yeah. So I think like if you're doing the daytime prayer or doing research, then the other guys are setting up. Isn't that it? Yeah, I mean, normally, I mean, just just no, so, no. just so, I, I'm getting to know. Just so it's clear, okay. Sometimes Father John comes over to my house. We're not recording. He demands bourbon, a fresh towel, uh, more bourbon, and Pedicure. then uh, I have to make his bed because it hadn't been made from the time before. And then afterwards, uh, he needs Advil. Okay, so just so you think that it's not just like you know, one thing or the other. Anyways. So uh, we found out about, 
probably a week and a half ago that our lives were going to take a significant uh, change. Um, myself, you know, at the parish, like, uh, they canceled Sunday Mass on Friday at 10.30 a.m., I think, last Friday. And that was going to be certainly a significant change. I've, I've never seen that in the course of my life. Uh, even, I've never had it, I've never had a snowstorm so bad that they reduced the obligation for everyone. Yeah. Do you guys have that? Well, I talked to the I talked to the older parishioners and they said they'd never seen this before. But it's did, new. Did they do that in Denver when, whenever we had remember that snowfall that they had like the 26th and 27th of December in like 2007, 2006, 2006 I think. Um and then the roads were just shut down for like a week or something. No, I don't remember. I was in seminary and I Okay. I uh there's always mass at the seminary, but right. that's just cuz there's all the priests and everything. I don't yeah, I don't know. I they have the schools are shut down. We're in Denver and I I think rules are different around the country. But uh for us we don't have masses right now and we're not sure when they're going to start again. And then uh schools out. There's it's close to spring break, so then the kids would do like a week off now, and yeah. then the week of spring break, and then back to school. We don't know what that looks like. It's yeah, as be a of lot right of now, online stuff. As of right now, we're not. We are not going back to full time masses, uh, public masses, until April sixteenth or seventeenth, I think. Um, and then schools, I think, are out through that same amount of time. Um, they've switched to online learning. Um, but I think they're on spring break this week. So, so, so yeah. a lot of people at home. There's people who are uh, asked to work from home or have chosen to work from home. So we thought with everybody at home, then you could use a little entertainment. Well, and accompaniment. And accompaniment. Because we were just sharing. We were sharing right That's at the right. beginning. That's right. Like what our feelings are about this whole. Uh, like after the first sort of like yeah. Viral snow day, you know, everything's canceled, and then all of a sudden it's like, you can't go skiing, you can't go out. Father John and I shared our last meal together as uh, pepperoni pizza rolls, super tasty, Um, and then they shut down all the restaurants, and then, um, yeah, I mean, like, what is it like to go through a whole week where most of everything is shut down? Yeah, and we're asked to do this social distance thing that keeps us six feet apart. And as a greeting, we bump elbows. I'm uh, particularly interested in uh, this topic with you two because you guys are in the parish, which means you're talking to people. I know you were on the phone with uh, brides who are upset because plans are changing, funerals that are still happening, anointings, can you get into hospitals, what does confession look like, adoration. I mean, there's there's so many variables. My life is largely unchanged. Um, the seminary, th- there was different things that happened with different seminaries across the United States, one of which was um, closure, and uh, some seminaries did that. Kendrick, uh, St. Patrick's out in Menlo Park, uh, Mundelein. Uh, we stayed open, but we we have, because we have this parish house model, uh, we basically just broke into six small little communities of anywhere between eight and 20 guys. And... Um, and then classes are just online, so the f- food is still prepared, but we eat everything in the house, so it feels like a little monastery. 
So I was telling the guys, like, you know, you can call me Abbott John, if you like, you know. And this is prior Kevin, you know. They didn't really go for that, though, unfortunately. Uh, prior runs the small community of the house. Back oh, back away. I thought you were saying get closer. No, that means this one. <laughs> Look at the spikes. Yeah, he's spiking. So I, he I, has voice modulation. Voice modulation. So I, uh, I, I actually, we have not had a lot of time. I have seen uh, a couple of companions over the last two weeks, but I haven't seen a lot of the guys. And it's so one thing is just kind of like, what's it like from a pastor's side or a parochial vicar's side, going through this? What are you seeing now that we're two weeks into it? And then also, I think we just have to. I'd like to just give some points for spiritually how do you navigate this right we don't really have a lot to offer in terms of the physical you know prudential decisions that's coming from medical experts who are advising government officials but um we do have some things to say about spiritually how can this be affected so yeah i guess my my situation is pretty simple i um i'm not a pastor so i sympathize with these guys who I think there's a lot more stress on the guys who have to make a lot of decisions right now. You know, there's a lot of heat. People are not happy, obviously. Um, we want to keep a regular, you know, Catholic life with the rhythm of uh, prayer and daily masses open and, um, and of course, Sunday. Right. And so it's hard. It's a hard time for people, and it's hard to make the decisions. It's, um, there's a, a lot of detail that goes on in the parish and everything from staff to um, these events and how to how to walk with people in hard time. So real complicated for me. I have um, less sacramental um, kind of life. I have um, confessions that we do and we've kept up with. We didn't have a penance service like we normally would in Lent, but we have been hearing confessions and we just moved over to the gym in order not to be in the little confessional, because we don't have very good ventilation, and we don't know if this is an airborne pathogen. So um, we went over to the gym. We put on a loud Gregorian chant and so people can't hear each other and ask them to stay six feet apart, but have kept up with uh, a lot of people coming to confession. Mm. But then I'm doing some class stuff with the permanent deacons and um, can do that from a distance, and then... Tried to help out a little bit around the uh, parish house that we have nearby. I'm trying to get, um, well, maybe, maybe this is why providentially you're the point man because you're the man. pastor. Well, yeah, you are the point man. I'm point man. Yeah, I mean the first the first major decision that I had to make uh, happened uh, Friday morning, um, which was uh, uh, we had to decide whether or not we were going to continue adoration. Adoration. Oh, okay, yeah. We have a 24-hour adoration chapel, and uh, even though we weren't going to have mass, what does it look like to not um, have adoration going on? Like, do you still keep the church open? Can we get enough people? We already struggled to find the doors, whatever. And logically, everything pointed towards, you should probably just close. Just, just close, be done with it, you know. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of logistics questions. How do you keep people from touching the same pews? Right. How do you keep them apart the, re- the way that we're... Right. We're trying to be socially responsible. You right. know, take care of heading off the spread of this thing. Yeah, so then uh, I asked the people, I asked them to give their input, and the people overwhelmingly were like, please keep adoration going. Hmm. And I was kind of like, well, yeah, of course you're going to say that. You're the daily mass crowd. You want that, sure. whatever. 
And then uh, right before I was going to make the decision, I said, I should probably go pray, you know, instead of just, you know, thinking about this. Uh, I'll just go pray. And uh, I prayed in the Adoration Chapel, and honestly, Jesus was like, just have faith. Like, just, you'll you'll cover for as long as you have to, but if you if you close it right now, it's going to be harder to reopen. Okay. So just keep yeah. it going for a little while longer. But it was like, trust filled, no. and not just pious and sort of like, well, Jesus is going to be the hand sanitizer that keeps us all protected. It was just, no, this is, and then literally within within hours, it was, that's when it came down, like, no more mass. And um, we did adoration in the church. And we had tons of people for adoration on the weekend. But then this Sunday, I was like, oh, gosh, like, we've had, we've had continued to have adoration. Like, are just droves of people going to come in, like, 10 or less, you know, that you're supposed right. to Right, well, have. we're supposed to, we're limited to 10 or less by yeah. our governor. And yeah. they, were, they were respectful. Like the the people came, they sat, you know, far apart, and it was a good thing. And then for me, like I started hearing confessions outside, um, which you know, Father Matt continued to hear in his confessional. Uh, he got the lion's share, but I just think it's a matter of convincing people. You know, we're going to do this outside, and uh, you know, yeah, once they become familiar with it, because yeah. things change and people aren't used to change. Yeah. But I mean, it's tough. But I I, I applaud that uh, prayerful discernment because it's easy to forget that. I mean, unfortunately, because it's like just crunch time and you get stressed out and you kind of rely on your own wits and interests and try to look for guidance from other, you know, directives. But not everything is uh, directed. I mean, the bishop doesn't tell us everything to do. Right. And the pastors have to make a lot of decisions. Well, they left it pretty open and they just kind of said, if it's not a non-essential meeting, and I'm like, okay, well... Uh, what is, we can already go to the grocery store. You can already go and do all of these other things. People were still going to the gym at this point in time. Uh, restaurants hadn't even closed. So it's kind of like we didn't know fully. Right. If they actually say, look, it's closed quarantine, you know, shelter in place, whatever, fine. Adoration's closed. But for now, it's continuing on. And I think that's a, a, a it's an informed decision uh, some people may say, well, I, you're endangering all these persons. We just left it open. And actually, somebody made a great point. They said, we have all these high schoolers and junior high kids that are now out of school so they can fill an hour or two because they're not as you know susceptible. But yeah, I would say, huh? like, one thing that I found very difficult in the midst of all of it is um, the, crushing, uh, the crushing anxiety that comes with uh, having the business side of the parish sort of go go on the fritz. And I realize how much time I spend as a pastor dealing with administrative stuff because the first question we ask is, how are we going to pay our bills? Sure. Instead yeah. of, how are our people? Yeah. How are the people going to get through this? But uh, we've made our parishes into sort of corporate structures where we have to continue to have salaried employees and they have benefits and and that's fine except when the lights go out and all of a sudden we're trying to figure out how we're going to keep this going in the midst of not being able to take up a collection right. um and that's not exactly the that's not exactly the the dream that I had for running a parish like I want to be the guy in the midst of crisis that gets to decide like how are we going to extend benefit packages to part-time employees you know 
but the dream, live in the dream, live in the dream. So, I mean, that, that's been difficult, um, at times. Um, and then the other thing is not being able to see anybody. Um, I haven't, I haven't celebrated, I haven't celebrated a public mass since whatever last, last Thursday or Friday. And, um, you don't get to preach to the people. You don't get to interact with the people. You don't get to see them, you know, kind of, um, on a regular basis. And a, a pastor without his sheep is pretty, pretty weird. Yeah. They either just went to slaughter or you're a bad shepherd. So yeah. It's just kind of, and I was turned away well, from and the maybe hospital. I, we'll probably talk about, well, yeah, say more about that. Well, I mean, yeah, we have... I tried to, I tried to go to a hospital, uh, a senior citizen's home, excuse me, uh, to anoint somebody who was dying. And they said I couldn't come in because they had a they had a order in place, no extraneous personnel. Um, actually, as we are speaking right now, Father Matt is going to anoint that person because he did finally get permission okay. from the manager of that uh, whatever. So we haven't been able to get to the hospital yet. Um, so it's difficult to know, like from an abstract way, like is this affecting persons? Because as of right now, I'm just worried about. How are we going to pay our bills? Where are all my people? And I can't get into the hospitals, so it's kind of a strange. What? So what's the what's the rule around the anointing? I mean, is it like if somebody's dying, you can go in and see them, or is it just we're you know we're not allowing anybody in the hospitals or nursing homes? If you're on hospice, can you be seen? I, I think I think for a while they shut down the hospitals from from outside persons, Mm -hmm. now they're starting to realize, well, we can't just eliminate everyone. All guests, all even family members can't see whoever. My sister was telling me yesterday, she's going to give birth, uh, in uh, less than a month and she won't be able to have visitors in the hospital. Right. She won't be able to have anybody. Um, so it's just a little off putting for her. Um, but, uh, I mean, I see the I see the reason in like protecting, especially the medical personnel. Yeah, I mean that's like so crucial right now. Right, but um, it I, is tra- it's tragic. Everything's changed. I this think is really what, hard. I think what we're going to go to actually is uh, we're going to designate like five to ten of our young clergy. Which, thanks be to God, I'm still a member of the young clergy. You know, you are. What is what is that? Your first five years, ten years? I guess I don't know. Like I mean, because the the they're saying young clergy should go to the hospitals, older clergy should not. Yeah. So um, in terms of my deanery, I think there are three guys who are either my age or younger than me. So I'm on the short list, and I'm like, look, let's just designate it so that it's just like you know Monday, Wednesday, Friday, that's me. Tuesday, Thursday is you, and then Saturday, Sunday is another guy, and then we figure it out and just designate certain people to go to the hospital for that regard. And I'm like, dude, if I'm going to get it, let's just get it on so that it's over with. And either you guys mourn and podcast land. It's been a great run. I'm sorry for anything. We that love I said. you, Father Nathan. This is my goodbye. We'll hate to lose you. Um, or like, you know, I, I get it and I have to be quarantined for a little while. And I mean, I don't want to sound flippant about it, but it's like we still have to do we still have to do our job. You know, and our job is to tend the people of God. You know, to serve the people of God in whatever way. Yeah, and that, well, that's how I mean, I feel right now. That said, I mean, we'll, I, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but um, there's a lot of expectation. Everybody has a different opinion about what that means that we priests should serve the people of God, and I think that's one of the hardest things. 
at least from what I've seen from other pastors, companions, friends, mm-hmm. uh, is that everyone, I mean, there's just a lot of frustration that's voiced by people who um, feel deprived in ways or are just angry and confused and afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of ideas being thrown out. Like, here's what this parish is doing, that parish is doing, and sure. we need to do the same things. And the list grows and grows, and it becomes it becomes hard for somebody who has one idea to tell them, no, we can't do everything and whatever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the expectations seem to keep growing and growing, and good ideas. I mean, there's a wealth of good ideas, but it, you can't meet all of them. And, um, and everybody's got to make the, you know, Prudent judgments and prayerful stuff, and right. but uh, yeah, I just think like that. The judgment of what does it mean for priests to meet the spiritual needs of the people is being tested right now. Yes, and we don't know. Like, I mean, I think there there needs to be some patience on the part of the on the faithful because we're trying. You know, we're trying, but we don't know exactly. I think it's hard for us. I think it's hard for us as a church who are accustomed to a sacramental economy to actually adjust to a digital economy, Mm. which actually is more fitting to a non-sacramental economy. We actually believe that sacraments have to be given in person. Personally, yeah. Because persons matter. So right now, as persons are kind of um, distanced from the church, it can seem like the church isn't there. However, it is the mystical body of Christ yeah. in all of her suffering members. You know, I was just reading in Second Corinthians, First Corinthians twelve, where if one suffers, all suffer; mm-hmm. if one rejoices, all rejoice. So I think it's I think it's hard for people to grab their minds around. We're not really good at this, and it's not actually up to us to just say we're going to come up with a new system. We're going to come up with a new economy. Just just hold on. We're going to advance. We're going to have the church 2.0 that'll be online. It's like, no, it's not going to work that way. Yeah. But I want to hear how the seminarians are doing. Hey, I'm going to go top up my coffee. Okay, go top up your coffee. All right, I'm going to step in here. Here we go. How we doing? See, now he's at the appropriate level away from the microphone. At the appropriate level. Okay. Well, those are, that's great. That's uh, the longest I've heard him remain quiet on the podcast for I know. quite some Tell time. Tell me more. Tell me more. That's a that's Please. a word you never hear out of all of our voices, all, all our mouths. I want to hear more about. I want to tell you more about what I have to say. Now. Ah, no. I, uh, that was, uh, I'm going to go be, top off my coffee. Excuse me. I'm, yeah, right. Exactly. I'll sit here and drink Macallan by myself. Go um, on. Well, I'm going to say a couple things that might um, rub a little bit. I knew he had it. I knew he had it in him. I think I don't think you're going to disagree with me, other than the fact that you're a middle child and you de I will, facto I'm prone to a priori yes. disagree with everything I say as an oldest child. Yes, Mike, shout out to Mike Goble, who schooled you in this. Total loser, suffered his whole life in this. Love uh, you. I see. Uh, I see a lot of emails from the diocese about practical directives. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a lot of a lot of government directives that are bordering on kind of like. Well, this is quite the control. I'm not saying that's wrong. In fact, I think it's actually very good. We have to be prudential. We have to somehow find prudence and steer career the two extremes, which is this nonchalant nihilism, basically, um, and uh, this kind of hyper-media paranoia thing. we got to find the middle ground. Which ends up being kind of uh, uh, bacterial scrupulosity. Right. Because, honestly... 
yesterday I was told, perhaps you should put your host on a separate patent from right. ours. I'm like, we drink from the same milk carton. Right. Like, not yeah. literally, but like, you get the idea. It's not like, it's not like separating the host on a patent is going to make that big of a difference. Right. And I think what I find lacking right now, and one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you guys, was because I'm like, I haven't seen, I haven't heard a bishop say, memento mori, yet. Mm. Remember your death. Memento mori. I haven't heard anybody talk about exactly what you said, the, the, the dignity of the sacramental economy and the, the way that we feel, why do you feel so uncomfortable rent from the sacraments? Yes. Nobody's, nobody's talking about this. I don't hear any kind of spiritual response to this. All I hear is American pragmatism, both in the world and in the church. Now, it's only been two weeks. But if we're still yeah. talking like this six months from now, and we're not giving anybody any kind of spiritual, spiritual sure. um, just resources, things to work with, if everything is just, yeah, we can just digitalize everything. We'll just make all the sacraments digital, and we'll just keep throwing more podcasts and more resource pages at you. And I'm just like, well, is anybody actually thinking about what's happening like on a spiritual level? Does anybody have a supernatural vision? I just I don't see a lot of that. And I'm not saying I have that, but I'm sitting in this little island thinking about this, talking to these guys who are really thinking deeply about it, and there's, there's something here. The, what, this is re, what this is revealing is the spiritual crisis of Western civilization, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And there's all kinds of elements in it. Um, I think... Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't um, be televising masses. Sure. But I, I, see, I see the spiritual crisis of the West coming to light, and um, I think there's a lot of beautiful things that are going to come from it. I think it's going to be really painful, though, for priests and for laity in separate ways. Number one, for priests, this is a wake-up call to be like, guess what? They don't need you. They need Jesus. Yeah. They don't need Father Nathan. You don't need St. Joan of Arc Parish. You need Jesus. And Father Nathan has given his life to bring you Jesus, and that comes through the sacraments, but the church is not fundamentally a hierarchical, sacramental, parochial structure. It's fundamentally a Christological, Trinitarian structure. And sometimes I wonder, with these kind of Shiite Catholics who are screaming at the bishop, give us the Eucharist, give us my parish, do this, it's like, do you love the sacrament more than the Lord? Do you love your parish, your adoration, your little schedule, your little spiritual order more than the Lord who is asking you to kind of step into a time of holy longing here mm-hmm. and to uh, uh, c- kind of go into the desert? Um, it's beautiful to see people so upset because of the necessity of the sacraments, right? The church makes the Eucharist and the Eucharist makes the church. Like, you don't have the bride without the Eucharist. Yeah. So there's something real about that. But I, I just think that people... Are, are being invited to kind of, yeah, wake up a little bit to that holy longing um, in, in terms of reception of the sacraments. And just, I, I think that the people I'm talking to are like, man, I never realized what a privilege it was yes. to be able to just go to your parish every Sunday and get the Eucharist. And I think that's beautiful. And I'll say one more thing, and then I'll pass it off here. For priests, I think this is important, because activism is the great destroyer of priestly culture and priestly life. And it seems to me that the Lord sends a plague upon diocesan priests sure. to say, quit identifying yourself with what you do. And I think there's a lot of guys going through identity crisis right now because it's like, mm. I don't know 
who I am and I got to figure out what to do. So I got to get into the hospital or I'm going to say six clandestine masses every day for different people. And it's like, okay, that's fine. But are you, are you, are you allowing this to kind of free us of this activism, which everybody shares? And I just think as American priests, we just, we are all about our ministry, our life, what we do and how we provide. And it's like, you know what? They don't need us. We know they need us. They need the priesthood, but they don't need me. They don't need Father John, and they forget pretty quick because ultimately they need the Lord, and I think this is an invitation to, to deepen in that. So I, I see a lot of good coming from this, but this is, this is severe mercies. This is difficult stuff. Yeah, and I would say just two things in response to that. One would be um, Americans and Europeans are accustomed to being able to go to frequent the sacraments as often as they wanted to, and now that's being taken away from them. But they hadn't done it much previously. I mean, mass attendance rate wasn't exactly stellar by many of these people. And then now all of a sudden it's like, what? They're taking that away? It's like, you weren't going. It's like me getting mad at the gym. You know, it's like, yeah, I can't believe they took the gym away or the public library. It's just like, come on, you know. That's a good analogy. But you really think the people that are complaining are the ones who don't go? Not just them. I mean, we had a lady on the phone call last night that said, there's a crisis that we're running out of consecrated hosts. Literally, we're running out of consecrated hosts. To the bishop, she said this. And it's like... Where has she been obtaining these consecrated I have no idea. And I'm just like, lady, like we, we consecrate enough hosts for World Youth Day. Will you just be quiet? So then that's the first thing. Second, so we, we've been accustomed to having more availability to the sacraments, and now is actually a time to grow in personal devotion. Like as somebody pointed out, to have the, 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 ecclesi- the domus ecclesia like start to run again, where the household becomes sort of a, a, a monastery or abbey where you have regular times of prayer. Second thing is, I had a conversation with another priest about this. As you are mentioning, it's, it's a priest has to separate from what he does. What is the Latin word for priest? Sacerdos, the giver of the holy. So then what we were talking about was actually like, what does it look like to bestow upon others a holiness without having a tangible gift. That's faith. And that's, that's actually Abraham. Abraham hoping against hope that he would be able to be the father of many nations is the father of faith before he even had a child to be able to offer. Just because I have a sacrifice to offer in the mass doesn't mean that I'm doing better prayer than other people in their homes who are actually spiritually longing for the fulfillment of what this sacrament points us to which is heaven. And how do we get to heaven? We die. And what is Lent about? Death. Death to self and actually rising with him. The hard part is going to be, as you were pointing out, we have to point people to this Christological reality that, is, that, that actually incorporates them, literally incorporates them into it um, at Easter, but they're not going to participate in it. So people are going to be like, well, we're not going to have Easter this year. It's like, honey, Easter's coming whether you like it or not. You know, Santa Claus is coming to town, like, and he's going to come out of that tomb, and he's going to say, you know what? I knew I could do this, and you didn't believe me. And all of us ha- have a lack of faith, and all of us believe, you know, he wouldn't, he would, he would, he would live forever, and then he dies, and then we think he's dead forever, and then seek a seed. as he said, 
he would rise. He would rise. And there's a part of me I'm that wants to figure out what the who the Rudolph is in your analogy. Mary Magdalene. There, there you go. Mary Magdalene. No. That's good. So I would just say I would just say like people are saying, well, we're not going to have Easter this year. I'm like, no, we're still gonna we're still gonna have Easter. Like we're still going to have this reality, but it's going to be in a hidden way. Now, what about this? How, so I'm I'm struggling with the tension. Just um, I don't know. I, I guess you could say theologically. Between wondering if this is, I, I totally agree with you, Father John, about how the personality of the priest is is unnecessary and it's overemphasized. And um, priest is not a guru. You don't need that particular kind of personality. Somehow it works into the economy of salvation. It is Jesus speaking to your heart particularly, you know, preaching the word, um, providing for you, pastoring you. However, um, that said, I do think we need the sacraments, you know, I'm, and I know you do too. It's, we're Catholics. Yeah. And I, there's something that I know that you can, you can, access Jesus in prayer, um, like this kind of monastic view, um, in um, prayer that's between families, prayer that's connected um, even with the, whatever, social media or the live stream, whatever. Sure. Um, and the personal relationship with Jesus is, is absolutely essential and often missing in Catholic lives. Um, I also think that Protestants who don't have sacraments deprive themselves from the tangible encounter with Jesus. And in a certain way, this might sound bigoted, sorry, um, I just think there's truth, um, don't connect with Jesus. They, they, they say they connect with Jesus. A personal relationship with someone has to involve encounter with them. And for us, that's sacramental, um, primarily. So it's um, it's both and. It it has to, it has to connect with him tangibly. It's just to say I have this personal relationship with Jesus because I think on, I think something nice or I remember somebody. Uh, it's like remembering a friend across the world without actually communicating with them or connecting with sure. them. Sure. Um, so I wonder if this is uh, something like um, Easter is coming. But this year, it's more like Holy Saturday is coming, or a preparation in Holy Saturday, like an extended time of it is, yeah. Jesus is gone, and I'm going to miss him. And that's part of the, that is part of the Paschal mystery. That's part of the, uh, Jesus died, and we can experience his death. We mm-hmm. kind of rush over that part, you know? We, we like the victory of the cross, the salvation that comes from the cross. We love the resurrection and the life that comes from the resurrection. And we don't spend a whole lot of time uh, with Mary, with the apostles, um, dealing with the problem of God is dead. And I know uh, we've um, talked about that occasionally, but I just think this is, there's an invitation here, uh, among others, to really reflect on that moment when God is gone in, with this sacramental um, longing, you know? Yeah. And I don't think we want to just too quickly rush to sublimate this or turn into evangelicals and just say, well, it's okay, we can foster this thing we that's can, yeah. on the side. You're not you know? going to be able to, yeah, you can't just morph, you can't just morph into a, 
into a digital Christian overnight. It, it's, it's not going to work well. And, and I would say that's where there needs to become elements of personal piety, which, I mean, at, at the end of this podcast, I just want to give some uh, advice to uh, persons uh, who, persons in homes or individual persons, like how to upkeep their spiritual life in the course of this. So, I, I would agree with everything you said about the um, everything the sacraments. Um, obviously, somebody's going to write in and be like, "Father John doesn't think we need the sacraments of the priesthood." That's not what I'm saying. Um, the sacraments are the modalities, uh, the ordinary means, and the modalities of sanctifying grace. Period. They're indispensable, instituted by Christ. Um, they are. There is no possibility of a life of faith and discipleship without them, yeah. because baptism is the sac. Baptism is the sacrament of faith. What's so weird in this time is that we have a sacramental life, but it's only really sacraments of healing. You know, the central sac because it's not just seven sacraments, right? The Eucharist is at, is the is the sacrament of the incarnation, and the other sacraments either point towards or restore or are at the service of it. You know, you guys have now, seen that. And so, yeah. We're always dealing with the graces of baptism. They're always unfolding. We have the Holy Spirit in us. So Mm -hmm. um, that's one of those things that you don't return to all the time, but it's living in us. So it is active all the time. And it's really important to reflect on that as well. Yeah. I also had to tell people, you know, Jesus doesn't have an expiration date. Like when you received the Eucharist last, it wasn't like a week's dose. There's enough grace in one reception of the Eucharist that you can keep kind of returning back to for a long time. Now, that's, that's difficult, and that requires a stretching. So. I, um, yeah, with that being said, and this is going to tie into what you're saying about the difference between a sacramental economy and, and a digital economy, one of the reasons I'm not crazy about, like, let's just put everything online, right? You can have online Catholicism now for $9.99 at the Augustine Institute. It's just like, no, 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 this is not, that, those are resources. And, but I, I get uncomfortable, even about televised mass, there's Father. He's going to give us the good jazzy homily. And it's just like, why don't you pray? Why, do you, why are you watching? You're, that religious consumerism, which is in us, like we're still doing it. And I understand you want to have connection points and you want to be taught and you want to be fed. I'm not saying don't watch the digital mass, but something is being lost here. In my opinion, the, the two biggest things that, that make the life of the modern man and woman different than the millennia that have been through plagues and pandemics in the past is mobility and technology, right? What's interesting is that mobility has basically been taken from us. We can go anywhere we want. I can go to France next weekend because I want to go to Provence or whatever. No, you can't. You can't even go to the grocery store in some places. The question is, are we going to backfill the absence of mobility with more technology? Sure, yeah. And that's my concern. And in a culture where we already use religion as kind of a technique it's like all the more, now we get our technological fix, and I feel great because I watched Mass with my kids, and it's like, geez, well, what if you, what if you read the Bible? Right. Like, because remember, Vatican II, Mike, you could speak to this. Dave Verbum speaks about, we reverence the Word of God in the Eucharist just as we do in the Bible, equally, right? Mm. That's why the, the, the liturgy is, so to say I can't get the Eucharist, that's, that's true, and that's a, that's, it's really difficult, but also it's like you have the Word of God. Draw from it. Draw deeply from it. Pray the rosary. Meditate on the life of Christ. Like you're saying, devotion is what sustained people and has sustained people for centuries 
who don't have access to the sacraments regularly. This is always how the church provides. Um, so I just I get a bit nervous about the excess of technology, and are we leaning a bit too much on that in the church? Can you say something about the Holy Saturday? I can't. I, I mean, like it. I like the image of Holy Saturday. I, 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 you think it's uh, relevant? I, I think that the... I do. No, I actually no, I think I do. that there's something about it because basically, you know, Christ Christ is born in the Eucharist and the and the sacrifice is represented daily in the Eucharist. And if that's not a, a lived existential experience, then mm-hmm. it's like the the sacrifice is something that happened that I don't have access to and there's there's this that that holy longing of Holy Saturday and also a time of rest. Holy Saturday is the fulfillment of the Sabbath command by God, by Jesus in his descent. Um which is either active or passive, depending on who you talk to. Uh, I'm reading a Pitstick's book. Do not, thou shall not name her. Oh, sorry. Um, But uh, I like that because of the sense of longing, of waiting, um, and uh, of allowing ourselves to feel how just uncomfortable it is that God has died, like you said, and and we're awaiting the resurrection. And I love that you're telling your people, Easter is not something you go to church for, right? The church is not a place. You don't just go. Right. And it's like there's no more church. It's like the church is the body of Christ. Right. It is in you. It's in your homes. It's in your life. Right. Live it. You know, the church is munus reconciliatus ecclesia, as Augustine says. It's the world reconciled to God. That's the church. It is not, you know, whatever Mundus. address, you know, 60th Avenue in Aurora, Arvada, Colorado. Right. It's like... Um, and so, yeah. But if you have donations, please send them in to 12735. Now, um, <clears throat> the, Venmo now. The other thing, the, the reason why I actually believe, I, I, I do actually think that it's Holy Saturday is because um, something is going on, but I can't see it. I don't know what exactly is happening, but I know that God is in control and that he ultimately will reign supreme over this flood. And... I don't need to figure out like what needs to happen. I just need to get in the ark and stay in the ark and then wait for, you know, like receding, you know, tides and figure it out. Like, but God is in control. He reigns over the flood. And uh, to me, it's just like Holy Saturday is we have no idea what's going on, but like below in the infernal range, like the realm. Like Christ is dominating and whatever's happening with these souls that are going to him, whatever's happening in the hearts of persons on their sickbed, whatever's happening in nations where they're saying, we want to be able to have access back to the sacraments Mm -hmm. or to a life of faith, or even in just not just nations, personal hearts, that's God reconciling the world to himself. And if I can be a minister of that, great. Right now, I just got to figure out, like, you know, are we going to open our early learning center again for daycare? And, uh, you know, I don't know, like, uh, should I, should I uh, have a teaching series online? And I'm just like, I don't know. I got an idea. We revive Catholic bingo. Yes. <laughs> online. Online. Yes. No? That's brilliant. Okay, so that's it. That's what I'm thinking is the trust in God part. You know, it's... The, the apostles and Our Lady, Mary Magdalene, those who buried Christ don't stop trusting in God. They trust in the promise that Jesus made, I will rise. 
they trust in the fidelity of the father saying, um, this, that I will not let my beloved know destruction. Hmm. And there's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's struggling with the mystery. I mean, I was wondering, I've been, I've been wrestling with this question of what does our faith give us that's different from the rest of the world? And I know it, it does. Jesus opens our eyes. There's an enlightenment in baptism. But I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I think it's being uh, clarified right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. So there, is, there are a lot of very good people out there who are looking at a silver lining, who are showing their goodness by respecting other people, by connecting with their families again, by um, kind of drawing in and taking that rest, and sort of prioritizing things in their life. Yeah, focusing on their neighbor. Yeah. The sick, the elderly the poor. And this is very, very good. But there's something that, that the Christian must have that's different than even the silver lining, um, the kind of seeing the best in the circumstances that are difficult. Uh, that should be part something that we do. But what does our faith offer us? Um, I think in some part, it offers us a, a peace in the midst of a real fear of death. You know, that's not something cavalier, like, I'm going to go and be irresponsible. Let's all get together and, um, mm. you know, let's kind of break the rules, the, the conventions of the rest of society for our own sake. Um, it's, but, but there is something that says, this is not my only world, you know. Right. Um, I, my life will become more full after this life. Yes. And, um, and so I don't have to worry the same way um, if my my parents are sick or my grandparents are sick or they're not sick, but we don't know where this is going. Um, you don't have to worry that you're a young priest and you're asked to go anoint. Um, that's okay. It's yeah. actually okay for us to die. It's okay for us to suffer. It's okay for us to... Uh, there are some things by faith that brings us a greater peace and a greater... Um, I don't know, freedom from fear. And it doesn't mean that we don't have a disturbance on that, but ultimately we entrust ourselves totally to the Father. You know, Father, I ask you if this cup may pass away from me, but not as I will, but as you will, you Mm -hmm. know. But it's not just like one sentence, you know, where it's just like, I know that it's kind of stinks, but I should have faith, you know. But it's just like, it's, we can play on multiple parts of the keyboard with dark sounding keys and light sounding keys because it's it's a symphony and our life isn't just God's in control, everything's going to be all right. Keep the masses going, just keep everything as is because if we lose faith at this time, we've capitulated to illness. It's like, mm, no, I think God is still in control even if we don't have mass. I know that sounds crazy, but uh, we're not just despairing because we're following what's being asked of us. So um, I do want to make sure that we conclude with some points uh, for the people in the midst of this time. Um, yeah, yeah. Just some, some concrete points, because you've, you've made some, John's made some, so I'm just going to give my two or three, if you want to give your two or three, okay? Then we're going to wrap up. It's under an hour. You know, it'd be nice, nice conclusion. I thought we were going to okay? do free form. Get three hours, We ain't doing no free hours. form, Okay. Settle. Digital continent. Okay, so one. Settle. He's wearing his blues jersey. He thinks he can get aggressive. We're getting. We're getting. We're getting. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that later. One is, um, I'm learning more and more that we have to have a schedule. We mm-hmm. have to schedule it. We have to become more German in this time. 
And uh, if you just well, why li- you got to make it German? <laughs> we have to ha- order Musine. There has to be order <laughs> in the midst of this chaos. So I would say there has to be. And do you know what I just learned? You know who agrees with me? Blaze Supich, Cardinal of Chicago. He's ordered that all of the bells in Chicago be rung at five times during the day to invite the people at those hey, five times cool. yeah. to pray for different people. So like at one point, it's the people suffering from the virus. At another point, it's the, it's the uh, workers. Great. Have moments in the day where amidst all of your TV watching and news, you know, indulging and snacking and, you know, maybe you cleaned your closet for the 10th time, you return back to God and say, at this point in my life, at this point in my day, I return to you and I give everything to you. I surrender it to you. You are in control. I can't figure it out. I give it to you, you know? And just for a brief moment, you actually rededicate yourself. It, it may be three, four hours, and then you completely lose that sentiment, but we have to have order. I need to say my mass at the same time each day because without it, I start going crazy. If I don't have a schedule, because I literally don't, I don't have any appointments. I don't have, I mean, I'm just waiting around, you know, to see if I get a hospital call or whatever. I've already watched season one of Stranger Things, which was amazing. Um, uh, so I think we need, we, I think we need a schedule, okay? Second thing uh, that I would say is, uh, that was the big thing. Um, gosh. Slip the mind. We can yeah, get back. I mean, I would say, I, I would say, do the things that you've been putting off for a long time. You know, I have a whole three boxes that I've moved from parish to parish to parish. Um, and I don't do anything with them. And I'm just going to shred all of it. Like actually purge certain elements of your household because, you know, right now you have the opportunity. I'm going to wash my windows. I look at the same smudgy window every single day and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do a little cleaning. And I think that'll be better than just waiting around for the inevitable end. So those are my two things. Nice. Schedule. Yeah, and I, I like that um, it, can be, it can be service. Like part of it is just renewing the, um, that sense of doing the will of God and then serving others. I think it, it's an opportunity to transform our prayer that all too often this is i speak for myself so i'm not trying to high horse here but um it's an opportunity to transform from i to us in our prayer and um Hmm. it's uh, give me give me this lord to not any less give you know but uh, requesting but saying when we say lord have mercy is on us it's saying i can unite myself spiritually and with compassion with sympathy with all of those people who are afraid all of those people who are angry all of those people who are suffering yeah. suffering the loss of jobs suffering um, fear for their families suffering um, literally with coronavirus suffering in so many different ways i can intercede for them that's work that we do as christians for the rest of the world you know, we're still a chunk and a percentage, a fraction of the world community. And um, we can take on the burden of praying on behalf of everyone. So that's the, that's the service. That's one idea I have. Go from I to us um, and do the work of um, the intercessory prayer as service. I think that it'd be great to get, uh, 
to have families connecting with each other. You know, one of the things we can't keep up with, I mentioned this before, is um, from the parish um, kind of staff and pastor level, keeping up with all the, all the um, demands of connecting with people. So um, there's great technology. I know we've kind of tried to distance ourselves from just making our spiritual life um, technological. Um, I do think it would be good for families to reach out to other families, make a time when you're going to Zoom together, and get all the faces on there so you're seeing each other, you're speaking to each other, and then pray a rosary together. You know, have some sort of common devotion. Do a Bible study together. Um, small groups can do this. I like the idea of families. Uh, but having some regular connection that is uh, the initiative of the faithful. You know, you are mm-hmm. um, leaders, Everyone is is called to um, to organize each other, to pray with each other, to lead in ways that I think a lot of people are intimidated. We need a priest for this. Well, you know, you can take initiative for things yeah. um, on your own. Oh, uh, I had another one, but I forget what it is. I'll I'll come back if I remember. I would add to that um, first to just examine your life and examine your heart around the coronavirus. Uh, what is the fear and the anxiety that you're feeling or the absence that you should be feeling? You know, it's both and, I think. Um, and why? Because there's a lot of good reasons to be afraid. Uh, there's also a lot of bad reasons. And I think one of the main things I'm seeing is, in talking to people is this underlying cult of the body and obsession with health in our country. Mm-hmm. We really think we're immortal. We don't think about death ever. And all of a sudden, we have to think about it. And you know what? That's okay. And you should be afraid of death. Uh, John of the Cross, I read a line of his recently. He said, fear, but with confidence. And I think there's, there's something beautiful there about we want to redeem our fear. It shouldn't be servile fear uh, of losing, but the, the, the fear of children, children of God who are, like we were speaking about earlier, that entrustment. So I would really just be honest with yourself in prayer about what is my experience of this? Um, and that's okay if it's if it's disordered. It probably is. It's probably excessive or inordinate. Whatever. That's okay. So I would just say, examine your hearts. Number two, um, going back to that whole mobility and technology thing. If you think of your life in light of that, the mobility has been shut down, and it's really stabilized our life physically. And I think a lot of us are being like, "Wow, this is actually better. I don't need to run around town. I I I, yeah. I feel like." Because the question I'm saying is, like, how do I live this after the pandemic? Because I want to live like this. This is how people lived in stable agrarian peasant society going back to 10,000 BC. Um, but we have to counter that, or not counter, we have to complement that physical stability with interior stillness. And that's where I'm like, shut off the TV. Yeah. Shut it off. You need silence. It's time to read again. Get some nice sleepy time tea. Learn how to pray. Um, but you have to have silence in order to pray and to read and to think and to let your heart kind of come back to life a bit. And I think that is, uh, that's the invitation. The physical stability is there. Now it's time for a deeper interior stability. And it's a great, this is an unbelievable historic moment and I think a great opportunity for us spiritually to grow. So let's not, let's not waste it by watching too much MSNBC. Yes, or Netflix. Case in point. Um, yeah. 
Okay, I have other thoughts, but I think that that's sufficient. Um, uh, thank you all for, for tuning in uh, for this uh, special report. We will have more at a later date. I do want to uh, give a shout out because I had a stunning revelation today as I was preparing to come over here, choosing which shirt. I said, well, since since yeah, since the NHL uh, that, schedule well, is over, that means that the Blues are back to back champions. I think 2000. I think we should technically get our names on the Stanley Cup twice. So uh, that's all I've got. You know, we're uh, we're here for you, oh, folks. I was wondering what he's doing with his phone. Thank you for listening to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Yes, we are coming into you live, and we will have this report to you shortly.